Welcome to Well Wisdom, where we visit with guests and explore topics that help you overcome life's inevitable adversities, both big and small, to find meaning, purpose, joy, happiness, connection, confidence, and strength. This is the essence of resiliency, the ordinary magic that we are all capable of. Hi, and welcome to Well Wisdom, where today we're going to discuss leading with curiosity and explore how coaching is the hottest, most relevant leadership competency today. We're so fortunate to have Minna Brown with us. She is one of the most amazing people I know. Minna is a master certified coach, a certified master NLP practitioner, an amazing and extraordinary teacher. She is a sought after keynote speaker and workshop facilitator. And she also has written numerous books on coaching. She founded International Coach Academy and there she teaches professional coaches and trains them to get through every level of certification as well as teaching leaders how to coach to enhance their leadership competencies. Thank you, Minna, for being here with us today. Beth, thank you so much for inviting me. I really feel honored. Oh, it's our pleasure. Our pleasure. Well, let's get started, Minna, if you're ready to dive in. I, um, I thought it might be nice just to explain to our listeners, what is coaching? Um, you know, and, and that is, I say to uh, a variety of my colleagues and, and students, coaching, I think, in business and in general is possibly one of the most misunderstood words in the English language. So in, in a very simple um, way, coaching is a facilitated conversation where the coach is supporting the client or the coachee in a form of self-directed learning. It is important, I think, for individuals to find their own solutions. We believe from a coaching standpoint that our clients and, and all of us, in fact, are creative, resourceful, and we're whole. We're not broken. We don't need to be fixed. And so a coaching mentality or coaching approach is to lean in to that person's wisdom, their inner knowledge, their inner resources, and support their self-directed growth and development. We also know that if, and I know you can experience it for yourself, that when you come up with an answer or you come up with a solution or a plan of attack, you feel more committed to it. You're more motivated by it. And so it has a stickiness that is of high value. So we are finding that coaching, whether it's in leadership or in business, even in sales or in other applications, is an extremely powerful and positive tool. Yeah, I love the way you describe that minute. And I think, um, you know, for me, one of the reasons that coaching is so powerful is just that resiliency aspect. And so when it is our answer, uh, when we can see that we are resourceful, then we really, our confidence gets built and our belief in ourselves. And that is so powerful in helping us get through, you know, tough times. So um, I just, the explanation you, you gave is excellent. And I think the most important distinction, you're right, like, because coaching means so many different things to so many different people, but it's not that the coach has really got the answers. They're just facilitating that learning and that self-discovery. And, you know, we're seeing good coaching skills can be good parenting skills. 
It can be used in conflict resolution. It can be used in so many different ways. It's not a pure coaching context, but understanding the uh, nature of coaching, some of the skills like listening that come with understanding how to coach is just beneficial in, in, a, in a broad array of applications. Yeah, and I think today more than ever, there seems to be a lot of conflict, a lot of um, disconnected uh, opinions. And so, you know, to be able to connect with others and maybe even influence or bring forth our ideas by also listening and allowing others to bring forth their ideas is so applicable. And I love the parenting example too, Minna, as I, you know, have two um, really young adult children, but it's yeah. so relevant. And, you know, and even with the holidays coming up, sitting with relatives, you know, at Thanksgiving or Christmas, being able to use some of these skills will make it more enjoyable for everyone because everyone is valued and heard and brings something. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. So let's shift gears and think about, you know, coaching as a leadership competency. So when leaders can really learn coaching, um, how does that impact their leadership? What changes? Oh boy, that um, that has become a very rich topic for leadership development and, and learning and development in organizations literally worldwide. Mm -hmm. uh, let me just insert here a little, um, um, I, I, not exactly a factoid, but some research that was done several, several years ago. Um, in and it's called the Project Oxygen. So I thought that was very interesting. But back in um, early like 2009-10, and they published the report in 2011, Google as an organization was struggling with what are the characteristics of our top, top performing leaders. And it was an exhaustive survey and interviews and analysis and they came up with their top five or six criteria, or I would say characteristics of their best leaders globally. And the number one capability was coaching, to be a coaching equipped, a coaching skilled leader. Uh, they updated that research in 2018 and did a very exhaustive uh, sort of a fresh look at the same information and not surprising, leadership coaching came up again as the number one capability for their top leaders globally. So what we hear, what we know in learning how to coach are two or three really important things. Number one is to be, like lean in, believe in your employees, for example, your staff, your colleagues, believe in their wisdom and let them discover, especially as a leader, if we want to dictate everything, we'll end up doing everything. If we can't delegate, if we can't encourage people to make their own decisions and discover their own solutions, uh, that's not really leveraging your leadership skills very well. So number one is re respecting and, and accepting and leaning into the fact that your employees have a lot more wisdom than we sometimes give them credit for. Number two is listening. My goodness, if we would just all stop, I say that any of us, all of us need to learn how to listen even better. Even if you think you're a good listener, we can always get better at listening. So a leader who is listening and certainly listening without judgment, sometimes they need to be 
able to hear conflicting information or to hear challenging uh, or even critical information that some leaders just don't make themselves available to hear. Um, and so listening and being open to feedback is a really key element. We learn that in coaching, and it I think it's a critical skill for leadership. And then also being able to lead with uh, a transparency, a sense of integrity, a sense of of uh, responsibility, not for the answers, but for the environment. And I think that's something that comes squarely out of learning how to be a good coach. And, and I could go on for weeks about this, but I think those are a couple of the key ones. Yeah, and it's so interesting you say like the responsibility for the environment, which makes me think about psychological safety and inclusion. Um, so I just wanted you to elaborate on that a little bit, Minna, if you don't mind. Right. From a coaching perspective, when I meet with a client, one of the, the competencies or skills that we bring into it is no judgment, is, is an ability to be uh, kind of a clean sheet of paper. We all have biases. I mean, we can't pretend that we can be unbiased, but learning how to coach helps us identify what are some of those biases that I need to just set, set aside, make room for, and to be able to experience other people without immediately coming to a judgment about them. Sometimes, and I know interviewers, they say that they can make a decision about somebody in a matter of seconds. Well, I think from, from a coaching standpoint, we want to kind of separate out maybe making those instantaneous decisions or judgments about, about people, about what they say. Also, listening without listening for an agenda. It's like really listening for uh, the integrity and the honesty of what's showing up and holding a space for that being something you can hear. So the ability to be able to separate ourselves from uh, our biases, our judgment, our opinions. I think when I was mid midway in my career, um, and I think people who know me well would say, you know, I'm never short of having an opinion, uh, but learning how to coach and having, I've been a coach for 25 years, it's been so much more natural for me to at least even acknowledge I might have an opinion, but then let it go as quickly as I can. And to come into a conversation with somebody, like you said, if you're having family dinners or holiday activities, being able to just not have a, a, a bias or coming in expecting that certain people will be certain ways. That's really an important aspect of creating an environment where people feel safe to be themselves. They feel safe and they're not going to be, you know, kill the messenger uh, kind of thing. If I give you my truth, if I share my honesty, I'm not going to be uh, penalized by being able to do that. So that's that environment that we want to create in coaching. It, the competency is called maintaining trust and safety. And that's what I think leaders need to do is create an environment that has a feeling of safety and trust and a belief in people's abilities to get their job done and then provide feedback, but provide feedback from, from the standpoint of, I'm going to provide this feedback to this employee based on knowing that they want to do their best and that I'm not trying to, to criticize them 
in a way that is really counterproductive. Yeah, that that is great. And so then my next question is, what changes for the employee, right? And this is like the great resignation time. We're struggling to have talent and engage talent. And so, you know, I'm just wondering from a, a, a leadership perspective, when leaders can do just do what you just described, really create this safe environment, engage with trust and build, you know, that safe place for people to, to perform at their best, then what changes for the employee? I suspect most of us have had some similar experiences on both ends of that spectrum. So uh, I'll bet a lot of people have worked for somebody who is uh, very strong-willed, probably really expert in their area, but is uh, demanding and um, maybe a little bit of a dictator. And you know, you do what you salute, you do what you say you're supposed to do, uh, et cetera, or what they say you're supposed to do. And that just undermines anybody's self-confidence. It makes you not want to work that hard. It makes you not want to work for that person. And yes, I think that creates turnover. And in the environment we've had in the last 18 months or so, people have just said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to work for this person. I don't want to work in this environment. It doesn't make me feel good. And it certainly doesn't bring out the best in me. So that's kind of on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, you have someone who is actively uh, concerned about and care about their employees, not just from how many uh, projects you got done last week or, or what can you do for me today, but also as, as human beings and uh, fully capable on their own, the experience of working for somebody like that allows you to stretch. I think organizations are a little better risk takers when they have employees he, who feel safe to lean into their creativity, and it may break a few rules or it may be different from what we did in the past. And, and a leader who can encourage that kind of autonomy and creativity, those are the game changers. And they inspire employees to stay with the company, to do their very best. The productivity differential is has been researched quite extensively, at least for 20 years. And there are some tangible return on investment from people who are more productive, more creative, lower, lower turnover. Uh, and and in, in the bottom line, it produces value in profits and, and other ways for organizations. So that kind of a leader is going to ask questions, be open, be able to support and invite employees to stretch out of their little box that they might feel that they're in. Yeah, and that's I, good. I could just, I love this topic. I hope that kind of gives you a few little tidbits about how important I think leadership coaching is. Yeah, well said, Minna. And, and I love how you articulated, you know, benefits to the leader. They're going to become more effective um, of a leader. And really, once we leave judgment behind, everything is a better experience for us and others, you know, that are around us. Um, but then the employee having a better experience and just, you know, several times you mentioned stretching, many employees want those developmental opportunities. And when there is a leader who coaches them 
and enables and empowers them to, to pursue those, wow, that, that is very engaging. And I love how you articulate the win for the organization too, because they're gonna have better retention, better employee engagement and better productivity as, as a lot of research demonstrates. So great, great point. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, if, if a leader hasn't been through training as a coach, um, and then, you know, you, let's say they came to you and you were helping them build um, this particular competency, what would be challenging for most leaders who haven't been exposed to coaching as a competency before? Oh, the, the number one challenge across the board is, is setting aside my, if I'm the leader, my natural instinct to analyze and solve the problem on my own. Uh, we are just, just as natural human beings and the way our brains are constructed, we are natural problem solvers. We are constantly, every millisecond of every day, we are, we are scanning the horizon for risks. I mean, our brain is basically made to keep us alive, you know, to look for risks and to, uh, and to be able to respond accordingly. But correspondingly, we're constantly just, and I think it's what most people are uh, acknowledged for their ability to uh, solve problems and be, you know, good um, tacticians in a way. And they get uh, rewarded for that over many, many decades. People get rewarded for being good problem solvers and, and answer providers. So the first thing that is hard to do as a coach and learning coaching skills is to set aside that instinct to, to answer the question yourself, to solve the problem yourself. One of the things that we teach is how to hold this space of, and in coaching, we call it the space of not knowing. So I have to set aside knowing the answer, needing to know the answer, solving the problem for myself. I need to let my client, let my coachee, let my employee solve that problem for themselves, for those things that we said earlier about the commitment and the um, um, productivity that comes along with that. So the first thing we have to learn how to do is not need to know the answer right now and to turn our brain. We actually are like retraining our brains to think differently. So we have to practice not knowing the answer and being curious. And I love the word you said right at the beginning, the curiosity of it, being really curious. And I, I would invite people to say, what is it about this topic or this situation or this challenge? What is it about this I do not know? And also understanding every other person has a completely different experience than I do. Uh, I say in my training that every head is a world. So even if I were an identical twin, our experiences make us very different people. And so every living person on the planet is a unique person. There's not another person like us. So even though I may have an idea about solutions or, or answers, 
then I have a limited ability to know what those are because I don't know everything and my client doesn't know everything, but we need to open up the space to explore what might be there that I don't know and what might be there for the employee that enables them to think differently and to access their own creativity and resources. So the first thing is just training our brains uh, to, to be able to let go of the need to know the answer. And I think the second thing that I work mostly with people on is this idea of listening being able to listen, listen, listen. And that's not just listening to what is said, what are the words that are said, but what are the uh, what are the whole messages that are being communicated? What is the meaning of what someone else is saying? So that if we really stop and listen fully, and Otto Scharmer calls it uh, generative listening. It's listening for new ideas to emerge. And so I think if we can listen in that time, in that framework, we will invite others to, to bring more wisdom to the process. And then the final one, I think, in terms of coaching is to be able to do some action planning, creative, uh, creative action planning, but not to own it to let go of the responsibility to do it. That's the other person's responsibility, but my responsibility is to be a creative partner with them, but then to hold a space for the accountability that comes along with that responsibility. And that's part of that partnership because I think coaching, and you'll see that in a lot of literature about coaching, coaching is about partnership partnership. I'm not above you. We're equal. And I know in even in a leadership role, I may be a more senior person. I may outrank you, but that doesn't mean that I'm a bigger, better, you know, higher level person. You and I are the same. And I can leverage our whole group, my whole staff by, by really accessing everyone's wisdom in that way. Yeah. Wow. And so Coaching is really like adding um, something special to the leader's toolbox. And when we think about like, you know, critical thinking, problem solving, those skills are still relevant. I mean, they're still going to be in your toolbox, but the way you describe it, Minna, it's like you're, you're opening up the field to allow others, whether they're peers or direct reports, to join you in the responsibility for solving the problems, doing the critical thinking. Um, and so... Just from my perspective, again, creating this win-win for, for the employee, that's got to feel really good, right? Because they're, they're getting a sense of autonomy and being able you know, to solve problems the way they would like to do it and they see will work. Um, and then for the leader to share the burden of those responsibilities just has to be, wow, feeling so good, you know, knowing you're developing someone else, but also things are getting taken care of and it's not all on you. Right. And I think one of the, the skills that a lot of uh, new leaders, I started to say young, but some people don't step into leadership roles until maybe mid-career, but uh, a new leader uh, often struggles with delegation because one of the things that they've probably been good at, one of the reasons maybe they've been promoted is they've been highly effective in delivering results, et cetera. And and they know, and I'll be honest, 
I could easily say, I can do this better than anybody, whatever this thing is, because I've, I've done it. I'm in this leadership role. So I know how to do it. But delegation means I need to lean into letting someone else do it, giving them the responsibility for it, letting them solve the problem. And I think as a new leader, sometimes that delegation space can be a little, you have to wrench it away from them and say, you know, let someone else do that so that you can lean into being uh, working at a higher level. And that means you have to be able to trust the person who is uh, taking on the job. One of the things too is if you can allow employees to take some risks, they're not going to be, they're not going to succeed 100% of the time. They're going to fail every now and then. Um, and I think it's important to let people fail on something that's what I'd call not a bet the ranch decision. You want to be able to fail on something small enough that it can be repaired, that it can be a good learning process. And if a leader isn't willing to let somebody fail, they're going to hold the reins really tightly. But then that means you have to be able to trust the individual to, to find their way and then not shoot them if something goes wrong. And then imagine from the employee standpoint, being able to have the freedom and the respect uh, by your leader to allow you to take that challenge. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I've always felt that I've learned more in my lifetime from making mistakes than when I've done something right. And the doing something right makes me really proud. But when have I learned the most? It's usually been when I have made a mistake and those lessons last a lifetime. So we as leaders have to be able to make space for employees to make some of those decisions and live by them and sometimes go fix their own problems, but with your support and respect that it's not their failing as a human being, it just didn't work. And that we respect that person uh, as a, an equal and support them in, in recovering whatever they need to recover. So we want to let them make little mistakes first, and then they can grow and learn how to make the bigger, more Beth the Ranch kinds of decisions. Yeah, absolutely. And as I listen to you speaking about all this, Minna, I'm thinking like, you know, sometimes um, this kind of training is reserved for leaders when they ascend and maybe, you know, they're at a higher level in an organization. But I would love to hear your opinion. Like, is there like, how could coaching be, you know, a bad thing for a leader that is a new leader or maybe a more operational leader, more of a frontline leader? I would love to hear your perspective on how coaching can be applied in all, you know, different types of leadership positions. Right. Um, and and going back to like at, a, at an entry level, uh, a new supervisor. Um, and that sometimes is the, the hardest struggle to, to wrench yourself away from hands-on doing everything yourself. Uh, I think that coaching at, at every level starts with the respect that you want to bring for your employees. That doesn't mean that every employee performs equally, and it doesn't mean that every person uh, will do their job you know, in a certain way, but it starts with at least starting from a place of respect that the people that you're working with want to do a good job. They want to do, they want to be there. Uh, we have in neuro-linguistic programming, uh, and it's called a presupposition. We don't need to go into all of that, but 
but uh, that behind every behavior is a positive intention. So that if you can kind of allow for everyone is doing what they think is right and make some space for, well, maybe they didn't do it right, but there, there was a positive intention there and that people do make mistakes, but they learn from them as a leader at every level being able to respect their employees and respect their employees' positive intention in doing their job. Sometimes they're just needing some more training. They may need their job to be redefined if they're not being successful. That doesn't mean that they're not positive uh, in many other ways. Maybe the job could be redesigned. Maybe they could work in a different department. I just think that we want to take a long view about our employees, their commitment to their work. And it doesn't matter what age group. They, and I, I get a little weary of, of Gen Z and millennials and all of that in that we have these broad categories of their motivation and all. I look at every single individual as wanting to do a good job. We don't wake up in the morning and say, gee, I think I'm going to go to work and, and screw up today. Mm -hmm. uh, or I'm going to go into the office and make my boss mad today. I mean, I, nobody does that. Uh, so I think it starts with having that foundation of respect and partnership with every person on your team and, and understand maybe every person on your team isn't the right fit, but then that's a different kind of point of view is not that it's that person is a flawed person but maybe there are other aspects of what we need to do for the team. Maybe I need to be a better uh, pr uh, communicator. Uh, maybe I need to give better directions or have more dialogue. Or there's a lot that I can learn from a leadership standpoint that can enable my employees. That, that reminds me of, um, for any leader, I think one of the books that I'd recommend is called The Leadership Challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and it, and it lays out, uh, by Posner and Kuzis, it lays out five ingredients for um, the best leadership skills that you could have. And it's well-researched. It's, it's multiple editions now. Uh, but those five characteristics uh, model the way, inspire shared vision. Uh, in uh, challenge the process, enable others to act and encourage the heart. And then that's just zip, zip, zip. Um, so those characteristics have to do with behave the way that you want others to behave. So model the way you have to inspire uh, your employees and you want to be all rowing the boat in the same direction. You want to challenge whatever process was in place. And that's something that leaders from a little different point of view can be very effective in doing. You want to encourage the heart. And that's part of this respecting the individual and respecting our humanness and encourage people. That helps with engagement and other things. And then enabling others to act, which is if you're a leader, you want to help with creating the pathway them to act. Sometimes you have to get involved in a political conversation to be able to enable your team to be effective. So there's a lot of different aspects of those characteristics in leadership. And I would say, you know, if we had another three hours, we'd talk about how coaching shows up in every single one of those. 
um, inspiring and in encouraging and supporting the kinds of things that you want to do as a leader. And I would advocate it applies to the CEO all the way to a plant supervisor. Yeah, agree totally. And I love their research. They have great books. So the Leadership Challenge. And so as we begin to kind of wrap up our conversation, and I agree, Minna, we could talk for three hours. We could talk for three days. We could probably talk for three weeks and enjoy every minute of it. So much knowledge coming from you. Uh, but I wonder if, if a leader, no matter what level, is interested in starting to build their coaching competency, um, what would you recommend? How can they just begin? Oh, there are so many ways. Uh, I think I think probably the first thing that's so easy is some reading. Um, there are some wonderful resources out there about how coaching is done. You know, what does what are the coaching skills that you need? Uh, how coaching shows up in different aspects. So there's wonderful books and resources. I'll bet there's some YouTubes. So who knows? But uh, I think the first thing would be to understand coaching, first of all, because we all have this notion of what coaching is. And in many, many, many cases, it's not correct. We blend mentoring with coaching or learning and development kind of blends into coaching and training into coaching. Coaching is going back to the very first question you asked me. It is a self-directed learning partnership. And so first, I think understanding exactly and carefully and internally what coaching is as opposed to mentoring, which is I, I'm a senior person and I can help you along the way. By the way, there are a lot of good mentors who use coaching skills. Mm -hmm. So these things blend together. There are a lot of good consultants who use coaching skills. There are therapists who use coaching skills. So I think the first thing would be to learn more intimately what coaching is. And then secondly, I would look at those levers to what is going to help you be successful as a leader and as a leader coach. And it, and it kind of starts with that mindset of respect and openness and learning more about how to, you know, and even checking yourself, just saying to yourself, you know, I need to let go of my opinions. How can I go into this meeting without an attitude, without judgment? So learning how to set aside judgment first and foremost, and that allows us to become a better listener and really work on listening skills. I often will do an activity where I'll have somebody uh, just talk for five to eight minutes and have the other person just listen for five to eight minutes. And they can write some notes down about things they're curious about or things that they noticed but it makes a difference when you are really listening as opposed to thinking about what you're gonna say next. And so I think working on that is a massive coaching skill that would be beneficial. Um, and, and the other thing about listening too is there's a, there's a phrase is that you cannot listen and do anything else at the same time. So 
this notion of multitasking and how we split our time up and somebody comes into our office or calls us on the phone and we just keep typing and we're listening and we keep typing and we're, we're not really listening. So I usually encourage people to say, I'm really tied up right now. Can I, when I finish this, it'll take me about 10 or 15 minutes. Can I, can I come and find you then? I mean, make space for listening, just listening. And then the other thing is just being willing to be, uh, not have the answers, not come in with this need to know the answer, is being willing to be open, non-judgmental, and those kinds of things. And I think learning how to do that. Some I say too in my, my coach training, you can't learn how to coach really just from a book or a, or a video. You have to do it. So that'd be the second thing is first, I would say there's resources you can read, you can get more knowledgeable about, you can learn about, you can study some listening skills and some listening tips and things like that. But you know what? You cannot learn how to do it until you do it. So you have to practice it. You have to say, I'm going to practice being a better listener and to be non-judgmental and look for opportunities. Put yourself in a situation where you might normally have a lot of judgment and go into a situation where you're going to say to yourself, I'm going to practice my coaching mindset and let go of judgment, let go of my opinions, and really listen for the other person's point of view. And so practicing those things, uh, that's the only way you learn how to coach. And when you can do, and leaders, for goodness sakes, they can do it every day. They can do it probably most of the day, every day. Uh, they can start practicing good leadership skills by using good coaching skills. So I think it's first resource, knowledge, understanding, you have to have, you have to know what you're talking about. And then secondly, you've got to practice it. You've got to do it. You've got to practice it. And by the way, coaching skills that you use for leadership is also, and we said earlier, it can be used as a parent. It can be used as a sibling, as, as a friend, practice those things in all parts of your life. And then it becomes second nature when you're on the job, when you have a team that you're responsible for. Yeah, I love that. Just getting to that place where you just practice, 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 integrate it into your life. And it just becomes part of who you are and very natural and organic. So love that. Now, Minna, if, if people want to connect with you and even learn more because you offer many courses, you have lots of books out there. What's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, my email address that's pretty easy to think of is Minna Brown and it's and it's M-I-N-A. So it's it's a little unusual, but Minna M-I-N-A Brown at positivecoach.com. So you can always email me. My training programs are available on the website coachacademyinternational.com. And we do have we have shorter leader coach training programs that we can do inside companies. We do public certified coach training programs, both at the foundational level and the advanced level, as you mentioned. Uh, and we have a variety of websites and other things that we can do for organizations 
on a kind of like a keynote speaker or a short website, a short workshop. It might be a workshop just on listening skills or a workshop on some of those little subtopics that we talked about. So we can provide that kind of training and we can do it in person now that we're past the, the worst part of our pandemic. Uh, and I'm so excited to be able to get back in the classroom so we can do it in person. We can do that on site and we can also we also do webinars and we have a very full library of uh, webinars that we can offer. Yeah. And I know you're an exceptional virtual teacher, too. So there's no you know, distance doesn't have to be a, um, a barrier. So, um, yes, absolutely wonderful options. And I also know Minute is on LinkedIn. So that's a, if people like social media, that's a great social media um, also and it's just LinkedIn Minna Brown. It's just Minna Brown. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Minna. This has been wonderful. I always enjoy spending time with you and learning from you. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And, and I hope this has been a little bit uh, of an insight and maybe some provocative ideas for your listeners. And I'm really pleased that you asked me. So thank you. Thank you. And I always love to leave our listeners with a simple wish. And so today, my simple wish for you is may you be happy, may you be healthy, and may you lead with curiosity and open up infinite possibilities in your personal and professional life. Thank you so much. Lovely. Thanks, Beth. Thanks for joining me. I hope you found today's well wisdom inspirational and empowering. Is there a golden nugget you can bring forward into your life and perhaps even share with a loved one, friend, or colleague? Here's to you and your amazing ability to be resilient, to create your very own ordinary magic. Until next time, well listeners.